0: Good Monday morning everyone, I hope everyone's enjoying their day so far. I know it's the beginning of the work week for most people uh, in the United States and around the world. We are coming off the heels of NXT TakeOver 25 and today y'all know what time it is with every pay-per-view. We always do the good, the bad, and the ugly that was NXT TakeOver 25. And before we get into that, I want to talk about a couple of articles that I found on Wrestling Inc., Com. And this first one was very interesting. Um, I was looking, I was just skimming over it and it really piqued my interest. So this is from uh, Kelly Howlett, how actually, uh, beg your pardon. Didn't mean to butcher your last name there. John Moxley talks Brock Lesnar changing SummerSlam 2018 ending. So let's get into the article real quick. John Moxley recently talked to Wade Keller on his podcast, and I know this was a big thing um, that was some big news, actually, that came out of this. Um, from what I've heard, he actually gave Wade a lot more than what he had said on the Talkers Jericho podcast. And if you have not listened to that yet, I highly suggest you take uh, an hour and a half out of your day to check this episode of the Talkers Jericho podcast out. It was really, really good, and he really not really exposed but shared a lot of insight into what really goes on um in terms of the writing team in wwe and what vince mcmahon had done and he really told some really cool stories about you know trying to get certain lines taken out of uh, a particular promo um the line with roman reigns about roman reigns that he didn't discuss on the podcast um but he didn't really want to say at all. And I'm glad that he didn't say it. And I'm glad Vince McMahon didn't have him say it, but, um, I'm, I may check out the Wade, uh, Wade Keller interview with John Moxley, because I think it's definitely something to check out, especially if he had uh, is adding a lot more to what he had said to Chris Jericho. So again, let's get back into it. Um, of course, he recently talked to Wade Keller about his podcast, about his time in WWE. Moxie discussed who was behind changing the ending to last year's SummerSlam main event. And if I remember correctly, uh, SummerSlam 2018, I believe that was Roman versus uh, Brock Lesnar, if I'm not mistaken, when Roman finally took the championship. Which led to uh, Braun Strowman's cash-in on... Roman Reigns which led to their Hell in a Cell match that was honestly a fail in my opinion and which should have led to Braun Strowman becoming champion but we all know that uh, Braun was never going to win the championship anyway and to this day I still say uh, in terms of 2018's Money in the Bank winner, um, The Miz honestly should have been the one to take the Money in the Bank briefcase and cash in on AJ Styles, which should have led to the Miz and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, but that's just my opinion, but I think the booking of that honestly would have been a lot better, I have discussed that multiple times in the podcast, you can definitely go back, I believe it was like around uh, November and December of last year, to where I discussed this, and don't mind me just closing my window, I think the way I had booked it would have been a lot better served for WWE going into uh, WrestleMania weekend if they had the Miz and Daniel Bryan compete for the WWE Championship, uh, heel Miz taking on a uh, baby, a true blue babyface Daniel Bryan, and becoming the new WWE Champion going into the new season. But anyway, let's get back into the article. So Moxley revealed, "Quote: SummerSlam, the end of the show is supposed to be when the Shield returns." We were worried about it not being as impactful the next night. It still worked just as good. The Amherst SummerSlam was Roman versus Brock. Braun comes out, looks like a doofus because he can't figure out how to cash in. And when that happened, I was literally laughing my ass off because I, because I already knew Roman was going to beat Brock. Um, and then Braun trying to cash in looks like a complete idiot. Really did make things a lot worse for the event. The changes to the end of SummerSlam were made mere hours before the show. Quote, however it went was Brock's idea. At 6pm before the show, everything was supposed to happen. The show coming out. This awesome stuff happens that the writers have been working on tirelessly to have this perfect ending to SummerSlam that was good, Moxley recalled. Brock comes in at 6pm and changes everything. Vince is like, we are going to go with Brock's idea. It made everyone else look stupid, but Brock. He then continued. And the writers were are just sitting there watching it in the room and they're like, come on. We had it. We had this great ending. Everyone is suffering. Again, not my problem anymore. And they do say you can't listen to the full interview below. Of course. Um I like I said, I may check that out. Um because it is really interesting to see more insight of what Moxley had said about the WWE. But the way I see it, personally, is that given the fact that, you know, it was mere hours before the event had started, Brock Lesnar comes in and just pitches this idea to Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon pretty much just, you know, 86 everything they were going to do, and instead of going with the actual ending that the writers probably had... You know, with the shield reformation, even though, you know, personally, you know, the shield reforming one more time was kind of, you know, at this point, oversaturated. Was a bit much, but what we were given at SummerSlam 2018 was pretty bad, in my honest opinion. And, you know. In and of itself, seeing Roman Brock again, no same person with actual you know common sense and logic in terms of you know booking things hated it just as much as i did i did not like the fact that roman reigns was once again champion there was no reason for roman to become champion i felt if they were going to have brock win the Brick on money in the bank briefcase they should have just had him win the championship that night which would have led to a solid a possible solid feud between brock not brock braun and roman and Braun taking the reins as Universal Champion. We, I honestly wanted Braun to be champion since 2017. Um, this was around a time when they had the Fatal 4-Way with Samoa Joe. Braun, uh, Roman, and Brock going into their SummerSlam Fatal 4-Way. I felt Samoa Joe should have had a chance to become WWE, uh, Universal Champion at Great Balls of Fire. Which was a shit event in and of itself. And then at, uh, I believe it was No Mercy. Um, Braun, I really, really felt Braun should have beaten Brock to become Universal Champion. Brock was on his way out as the uh, story went with uh, WWE, going back to the UFC. Um, instead, Vince McMahon had Brock retain and let him retain. Brock never left for the UFC, which led to where what happened with that in 2017. He pretty much was gone for the remainder of the year and then showed up around Royal Rumble time, and that whole thing, and then of course, you know, what led into uh, 34 in 2018, and that, and with Brock, Brock versus Roman, uh, Roman, you know, the fans pretty much, you know, just shitting all over the Brock-Roman match, and which forced Vince McMahon to have Brock retain over, excuse me, to have Brock retain over Roman instead of Roman was being, actually was supposed to be booked to beat Brock and win the championship and go into the new season as the Universal Champion. The fact that, and I remember Moxley saying, you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, was getting paid to help ruin the company. That's how he felt, and that's how I honestly feel too. Sure, I mean, going into tonight, we have brock lesnar cashing in we found out this past friday um paul Heyman announcing um that he would be cashing in on seth rollins um and before that the stephanie mcmahon video saying they were condemning brock lesnar to not uh not cashing in on either seth or kofi or at least announcing the cash in on who he would actually cash in on i thought in and of itself that was a joke because with the Money in the Bank briefcase, you can cash in anytime you want to for an entire year leading up to next year's Money in the Bank. Brock Lesnar was basically playing, trying to play mind games with both champions, and that is how you're supposed to do it. The way they have illogically booked the Money in the Bank briefcase ever since Brock Having Brock win the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase instead of Andre the Giant, or a Mustafa Ali, or a Drew McIntyre, or a Randy Orton, definitely shows that WWE honestly doesn't, still continues not to give a shit about the fans in WWE. They Vince McMahon just does this for his own amusement, and it's hurting their product. And now with the uh Announcement of the course, a 2.19 rating, which uh, finding out while listening to uh, JD from MY206's podcast over the weekend is the fourth lowest rating in WWE's history of its 20, uh, 26 year history of Monday Night Raw. It shows that, you know, fans don't give a fuck about what Vince McMahon is doing. The Memorial Day show we knew was going to be trash. And they definitely showed their ass with that. Um, With the first hour being pretty much, you know, just a full-on promo segment for almost an entire hour. And then having the first match of the night being Shane McMahon going up against Roman Reigns' cousin, quote unquote, uh, Lance N.O.I. It's very disheartening to actually see WWE going the route they are with this whole illogical booking of the Money in the Bank briefcase. I do not like what they're doing. I really haven't liked what they've been doing with the Money in the Bank briefcase. When the when the Money in the Bank brief the Money in the Bank briefcase in the history of its um, in the history of the of the match itself, um, first and foremost was first Jericho. I believe it was uh, Jericho's idea, um, if I remember correctly. And Money in the Bank is so you is honestly supposed to build new superstars uh, to possibly become new champions and all this stuff i honestly felt and you can go back and check out my money in the bank preview and predictions um i had drew mcintyre actually winning money in the bank um hopefully cashing in on seth and becoming the universal champion i believe drew mcintyre still to this day is a world Champion in waiting. He has all the potential in the world. He has the look the grind He had to actually get through to just get back into the WWE with NXT becoming the NXT champion Doing what he had to do to get back being called up to the main roster soon after I believe it was um Takeover Philadelphia. No, actually no, it wasn't Takeover Philadelphia. Um, I think it was the year before that um, And losing to Andrade Cien Almas if, I'm, if my memory serves me right and then coming up, he had all the potential in the world to be a he has world champion for, all over him. You can, I'm sure there's plenty of people you can ask about Drew McIntyre. When You just look at him. He screams heel all day, every day. He screams world champion. He, he, he looks like he can do it. He has the, uh, a devastating finisher in the Claymore Kick. The man can go. He's been busting his ass for the past, I'd say, two, three years just to get back to this point. And now they are treating him as a true afterthought. And now tonight, I was reading the... Um, raw preview before i started recording and he's now going up in a six-man tag teaming up with the revival to go up against the usos and roman reigns i honestly have no investment in that match whatsoever because of the simple fact that um it's just a continuation of the feud between roman and shane mcmahon which truly doesn't make sense to me whatsoever with the fact that it's another Roman versus the authority angle. I thought we were past that. And honestly, going back to the December promo, which the McMahon's and Triple H cut, Triple H saying that we as fans are the authority. We make the we make the decisions. We make the rules. We as fans, you know, deserve better. We deserve fresh matchups, new faces, new superstars, new champions, all this, that, and a third. And once again, those proclamations fell on deaf ears it really did it really fell on deaf ears to the simple fact that you know they don't care vince mcmahon does not give a shit and i've stated before even when he transitions to the xfl in february of 2020 vince mcmahon is still going to be running both xfl and the wwe he's not letting this go I have stated many, many times on this podcast that Vince McMahon needs to worry about XFL and the XFL only once it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty of his, of his uh, new football league. It just, it just shows us that, you know, Vince McMahon only worries about Vince McMahon and he's in his own little bubble. Instead of just listening to the fans and listening to the, what the crowd wants and, you know, and even the past couple of weeks you know with the whole Sami Zayn bringing up aew even though they say that was you know just in you know it it was in the script there's no reason to be name dropping a rival company are you that fearful vince are you that worried about after one show of double or nothing And we spoke about this last week you know are you that fearful of the company that you had to name drop them you know if you're so worried about aew but you're not but you're still giving us you know shows that give us 2.19 ratings um, being the second lowest viewed show of 2019 already. And we're just, and we just hit that halfway point. We're now officially in June, ladies and gentlemen. Happy June to all of y'all. I would, not, you gotta you got think as we're going into the summer months, as we're starting the road to SummerSlam, you know, as we're heading towards uh, apparently uh, Super Showdown this Friday and uh, Stopping Grounds towards the end of the month, of which I could honestly give a fuck less about. Because I'd suggest, you know, another B, a C-level pay-per-view that, you know, that we're just building towards. How about we not have Super Showdown and you just start building towards Stomping Grounds instead? It wor- it worries me more now, knowing that hearing this, hearing this story about, you know, Moxley, talking about Brock Lesnar, changing every, changing pretty much the main event. I guess, I think the show started at 7 o'clock, pretty much an hour before event even starts mind you they were he he came black luster came to Vince McMahon when the pre-show started when the pre-show began six o'clock goes to Vince McMahon and said I want to do I want to end SummerSlam like this and Vince McMahon giving it the go-ahead when the right and he's when the writers tirelessly busted their ass to create this so-called perfect ending to SummerSlam the shield reformation um, Braun may be cashing in, um, this, that, and the third, and all of this. It it becomes more evident that Vince McMahon doesn't like I said like I said before earlier. He doesn't care. He doesn't really give a shit about what we want. He only gives a shit about what Vince McMahon wants at the end of the day. And now going and now as we're heading into another Monday Night Raw. You know, of course, The Undertaker returning to Raw to hype up uh, Super Showdown. We know Goldberg's going to be hyping up Super Showdown um, tomorrow night. I honestly don't know if I'm going to be even caring about Super Showdown. I really don't honestly give a shit about Super Showdown. When you have matches like Undertaker versus Goldberg, another match between Triple H and Randy Orton. Apparently, we're supposed to be get, if I'm right, we're supposed to get the Intercontinental Championship between and- Andrade C and Almas, who's now on SmackDown, and Finn Balor, who's on SmackDown as well, so this would make sense to do that. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Seth Rollins versus the, your favorite Friday uh, TGI Friday's GM, Baron Corbin, for the Universal Championship. I think this is going to happen tonight. Okay, Brock Lesnar, and, and I'm giving you a, a bold prediction tonight. I'm not going to be watching Raw first and foremost. I haven't watched Raw since the first week of the Superstar Shakeup, uh, the aftermath of the Superstar Shakeup, and then right after that we got the Wild Card Rule and that was just, and it pretty much negated everything the Superstar Shakeup was supposed to be. I'm going to give you a bold prediction tonight right now. Brock Lesnar supposedly is supposed to cash in on Seth Rollins. That's what we've heard. That's the news we got on Friday afternoon. I do not think for one second Brock Lesnar is going to cash in on Seth Rollins tonight. I think he's going to pull the okey-doke. I think that they are going. he is going to say that he's going to cash in on Seth, and I don't think he's going to do it at all. I think he's going to wait until Super Showdown this coming Friday, and I'm just letting y'all know right now, I'm not doing a Super Showdown preview and predictions. I'm going to put that out there right now. I, I do not plan on doing the Super Showdown preview predictions. I can give a fuck less about Super Showdown at all. Uh, I may watch it on my own time and just, you know, just see what it's worth. But I will not be doing a Super Showdown preview predictions this week. That's just not going to happen for me. I, I honestly don't give a shit. Uh, when you have an event that they say is going to either equal WrestleMania or even better WrestleMania, that's when you know it. I could give a fuck less. I really could. I really could give a fuck less. I don't care. These Saudi Arabian shows are bullshit. Now, knowing that the whole deal, what we learned last year from Saudi Arabia with Crown Jewel and everything with the whole Jamal Khashoggi deal, Khashoggi deal, I beg your pardon, um, you know, Vince took blood money. And that's my I mean, you could think something different and that's fine. But my opinion is that he took blood money, he could have literally pulled out, he could have literally canceled the event entirely, and instead of actually sticking around and doing the show and taking the money anyway, because now he's got to deal with all this shit for the next decade, he's got a 10 year deal with the Saudi um, Sports uh, Authority, I forget the actual name of it, but yeah, yeah he's got a 10 year deal. So he's going to be working shows in Saudi Arabia every at least once or twice a year for the next 10 years. Actually, next nine now, because we're going into uh, we're in when in the finish of the first year of the deal. I think it's bullshit. I think the whole Brock Lesnar situation is bullshit. The fact that he has that much power, you know, he has enough power to convince Vince McMahon to change everything around. For one man, for one man, he changed everything around. Just like that change the entire ending of SummerSlam around. And you got to feel for the writers, too. I do. Like I've stated before, I am not even going to blame anything creative does from here on out, because now learning from what we learned from the Talk of Jericho podcast with Moxley, there is no reason for me to even think about blaming creative for it when Vince McMahon is making all the decisions at the drop of a hat, at the snap of a finger, at a moment's notice. You got to feel for these writers. 37 writers are writing Shows for both Raw and SmackDown. And now, learning this, it it just pisses me off even more that, you know, we see Vince doing this. We see the illogical booking of Money in the Bank. We see the foolishness, the failure, the... You see, just the freaking... Just the fucking raw bullshit that we're seeing, no pun intended, that is coming from this, it's a joke, it's an absolute fucking joke, and it's now at the point where, if Brock Lesnar wins back the Universal Championship, whether it be tonight, or whether he... Going by my bold prediction, he does it on Friday and just destroys Seth and Baron and wins back the championship. If he wins back the Universal Championship, expect worse than 2.15s in 2019. Why would we want to see Brock Lesnar once again reclaim the Universal Championship? What is the point? He is a part-timer. Last year, I think he showed up what, maybe at most, if I'm I'm just spitballing here, five times throughout 2018. Five times. Retained the title at WrestleMania. Didn't really show up until like uh, close to the beginning of the summer. Defending it at SummerSlam. Losing it to Roman. Comes back after. Roman had to relinquish the championship due to his leukemia issues, beats Braun Strowman instead of giving a superstar a chance to hold the gold, even if it was just for a few months, even if it was just for a few months for Roman to come back, become the big baby face. And I I even said this last year. I even said this earlier this year. If, If they booked this properly, Roman Reigns could have been truly the truest blue, biggest baby face. That could have received the biggest pop bigger than hogan bigger than cena combined i stated this and if you think i'm lying go back to my episodes earlier on in the year i stated this roman winning the championship the right way would have been would have caused a huge pop because then you would have you could have truly made brock stroman braun stroman the heat brock stroman fuck that shit Braun Strowman the true heel that I know he could have been there was no harm in having Braun win the championship at crown jewel but because, they, because and it showed it, they, they pretty much showed at crown jewel last year they don't trust Braun Strowman being the top guy on the brand they don't they don't trust a lot of guys to become that top guy you, you see in it right now you're having Drew McIntyre and Elias aligned with Shane McMahon as, as part of this authority deal they're not even putting. Drew McIntyre is not even part of the main event scene anymore. He's just now aligning himself with Shane McMahon because they have nothing else better for Drew to do. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to finish this up because I'm going long, 20 about 25 minutes. What Moxley has been saying about the WWE has all been true, but it's something that we've already known. We all know this: that Vince McMahon doesn't give a shit about his fans doesn't give a shit about his product only cares about what he wants and has you know with the Sami Zayn deal you know him just saying things this is vince probably writing this vince mcmahon again is is literally ruining his own company from the inside out and if you think i'm lying if you honestly believe that i'm wrong i would love for you to give me a reason a couple of reasons as to why he is not because the proof is in the pudding, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're not if you're not seeing it for what it truly is, I think you might be stuck in your own bubble, yourself, and you don't want to come to the grip come to grips that Vince McMahon truly is ruining the WWE. This is episode 76 of The Young Lions Perspective, and with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling with Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode seventy-six of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Monday, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. And I know today, another installment of the good, the bad, and the ugly. This time around, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that was NXT TakeOver 25. But before I started recording this segment... I uh, was waiting for the opening segment to load. I hope you guys enjoyed the opening segment and what uh, my thoughts were on John Moxley um, changing, you know, uh, not changing. Um, john Moxley talking about with Wade Keller on the PW Torch uh, podcast about Brock Lesnar changing the ending to SummerSlam 2018. I hope you enjoyed that opening segment. Um but before we get into the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, that was NXT TakeOver 25. I was on Twitter, uh, like I said, w- uh, waiting for the segment to load up and make sure it was processed and all kinds of fantastic. And I saw this from Cultaholic. Um, and this really surprisingly shocked me. But then again, it shouldn't shock me. Uh, this is from, of course, our one of my favorite guys on Cultaholic. I love this guy. He is a character in and of itself. King Ross himself. Ross Twiddell. Um, this actually came down the pike, um, I believe, about a, almost a half hour ago, uh, actually. Report claims Saudi government told WWE to remove Sami Zayn from Super Showdown due to his ethnicity. This is a very interesting I have not read this article at all. Like I said, I just saw it on my Twitter, and I felt like this would definitely be something interesting to open up with. Uh, before we get into the good of the bad of the ugly that was TakeOver 25. So, let's get into the article real quick. Sami Zayn will not be traveling to Saudi Arabia with WWE later this week for the Super Showdown event, with numerous sources claiming this was a precautionary measure on the company's part. Now, Dave Meltzer is reporting that Zayn is not going to appear on the card at the request of the Saudi Arabian government, who allegedly don't want the former NXT champion on the show due to his ethnicity for the avoidance of any doubt here's what Meltzer penned in the latest wrestling observer newsletter quote for one all along we were told the only men who are off the show were John or Brian, Daniel Bryan and John Cena and i believe Kevin Owens is not going to be there as well because of the fact that Sami Zayn's not going to show up that's his very good friend and i can understand why he wouldn't want he wouldn't want to go if his best friend's not going so, who decided against going? And Zayn, who the Saudi Arabian government told WWE they didn't want him on the show due to his ethnicity. Along with Daniel Bryan, John Cena, and Sammy Kevin Owens, who reportedly refused to be a part of the event, and Alistair Black, reportedly due to some religious tattoos of his, also won't be appearing on Friday's Super Showdown event. Now, I'm going to really quickly look up Sami Zayn's ethnicity really fast because i kind of want to know what he is and let's see if it actually um makes any sense to have that over there i'm just letting it load up this is actually real time this is actually real time right now uh because i know he's a canadian guy let's see ah okay so, not many people know about the real name of Sami Zayn. As everybody knows, he's one of the best wrestlers on earth. Damn right. Uh, born as Sami uh, Rabel, Se- Rami Sebe. Uh, Let me see. Based in, uh, he's of Middle Eastern descent. Um, apparently, he is actually of Syrian descent. His parents are of Syrian descent. Most Syrians are Muslim, and he was raised by a Muslim family. So, because of the fact that he is of Syrian descent, the Saudi government does not want him to be a part of the show. Now, I did hear about Alistair Black. I knew all about that, but uh, this religious tattoos and that basically makes sense. But the fact that they don't want Sami Zayn there because of his ethnicity—I can't even say words today—and I had not enough coffee for this shit because of his ethnicity, they don't want him on the show. Now I know the uh, Saudi Arabia is is. Pretty much dominantly Muslim. Um, but the fact that they didn't want Sami Zayn on the show because of that would scream a little bit of racism, um, in a sense. But I mean, I'm glad that, you know, they, you know, they did take the proper precautions to leave Sami off the show. Um, it's not, I thought to say he wasn't going to be on the show anyway because I don't think they really had anything for him, but I think he was going to be probably part of the, um, I think they're going to do an, a 50 man battle royal, another another big battle royal. I hope, you know, for another possible green belt that no one really gives a shit about because no one gives a shit. But it does, you know, that is some crazy news, uh, Ron, uh, through that. I just want to put that out there real quick. Um, so, Sami Zayn now out for Super Showdown because of his goddamn ethnicity. Very interesting shit. Anywho, um, Let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was NXT TakeOver 25. And before I get into the good, I just want to say that once again, NXT knocked it out of the fucking park with this show. They did so, I think they really, really showed their ass off. Um, I don't, and there's a lot of people on like social media, you know, comparing double or nothing. To NXT Takeover 25, and here's what I want to say about this: AEW Double or Nothing was a separate show, as was Takeover 25. We should have no fucking reason to compare either both of these shows and see which one was better. And I, I say this for I say this for myself. I don't say I don't, you know I'm not going to speak for anyone else but myself. And I'm sure this is a popular opinion amongst a lot of people that you should not give a fuck which show was better. Let's just appreciate the fact that, honestly, AEW double or nothing killed it. NXT TakeOver 25 killed it. They, fought, they both were, had amazing shows. They were both great in its own right. You know? There's no reason to compare the two. As wrestling fans, as wrestling fans, we should be appreciative of the fact that we're getting in 2019 fantastic wrestling. From promotions like an AEW, from a brand like an NXT, and now the news of NXT UK Takeover Cardiff, Wales, going down on August thirty first. At the same time, AEW's All Out is going to happen on August thirty first, and New Japan's Royal Quest in London is going to happen on August thirty first. And I just want to let y'all know I may be MIA that weekend because I a I have off that weekend, from what I projected on my calendar, and b there's gonna be the that's gonna be literally the greatest day in professional wrestling. Period. Three big time promotions putting on three major shows all on the same day. My ass is going to be one hundred percent just, just taken. I don't even, I won't even know my name after this shit. I am going to be marking the fuck out the entire weekend. I'm going to be marking out this Wednesday for the best of the Super Junior Finals because John Moxley is making his debut in New Japan against Juice Robinson for the United States Championship. We don't need to compare what show was better. Who cares what show was better? Were both shows good? Absolutely, fucking lutely abso fucking And we should just be appreciative of the fact we were getting great shows that aren't main roster shit in WWE. WWE can literally go fuck off as far as I'm concerned. What we got Saturday night, and then we we got the Sat, you know, the Saturday prior, we're great. Let's enjoy the fact that we got great shows. Let's enjoy the fact that right now, outside of WWE, and like I said, WWE can literally go fuck off for all I'm concerned. We got great shows. And then we found out the news about NXT UK Takeover going down in less than 90 days. In less than three months, we're gonna get the greatest day. Of professional wrestling. Probably in our, in our. Of 2019. And here's the best part. WWE isn't involved in that weekend. It's literally New Japan. AEW and NXT UK. We should be looking forward to that. We should be looking forward to. Fight for the Fallen. Firefest, Fest. Fuck Stopping Grounds. Fuck Extreme Rules. And at this point to be truthfully honest. Fuck SummerSlam. Because NXT TakeOver Toronto. Is going to kill that anyway. Let's enjoy the fact that we're going to get good programming over the summer with AEW, NXT, and NXT UK. Let's be thankful that we're getting great wrestling. Screw which show is better. Yeah, of course, we're going to, come. of course, we are the type of, we are a society where, you know, we do compare, you know, you know, who's the greatest player, basketball player of all time, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, whoever. Of course, I'll get involved in that. I still think it's Jordan, you know, but with wrestling. I think it's, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to probably get some hate about this. With professional wrestling, it's a little bit different, I think, in my opinion. And that's just, this is just my opinion. This is just me speaking for me. When we're getting great shows, like a Double or Nothing, like a TakeOver, I enjoy that. I'm not going to compare which one was better. This is not, we're not that kind of show. We are, we are, I am the, we are the type of show. The Young Lions perspective is the kind of show that, of course, from the perspective of yours truly, the Young Lion himself, Takes it in, and if it's a great show, I let you know. If it's a garbage show, I let you know. But I'm not going to compare which one was better. What I'm going to do is to say both shows kicked ass, and both shows showed Vince McMahon why he is trash. And that's what I'm going to say about that. So, with that being said, let's talk about the good that was NXT Take Over 25. And there was so much good that came out of this. And the biggest thing. The biggest news that came out of NXT TakeOver 25, regardless of, of course, Mabu, Adam Cole becoming the new NXT champion, I'll get into that after this, is Tommaso Ciampa being on the pre-show panel, and this is, i can look at the results from uh, TheChairShop.com, and like I always say, TheChairShop.com is where I talk about all the results, because they are very detailed in their stuff, and they kick ass when it comes to talking about coverage of particular shows. So let's see, let's go into what they said about uh, Tommaso Ciampa. So they said the Psycho Killer is back, and fans duel between his best friend of me, Johnny Wrestling, and Adam Cole. But then fans give Ciampa cheers, and he gets on the table. Ciampa pats himself on the back, and fans cheer him more. Ciampa says he's half Blackheart, half Wolverine. He's on his way back, and Goldie will belong to Big Daddy Ciampa once again. But if anyone is going to hold onto the belt while Ciampa is away, it's Gargano. Gargano changes when a takeover comes around. Ciampa will watch very closely that it takes a certain kind of man to crawl his way to the top, but it takes a different kind of man to stay on top. Ciampa wasn't making a prediction, he'll just be going after whoever comes out of it. He's not saying he wants Gargano or Cole as an opponent. Just know that he'll be champion soon after his return. Now, the big thing that they didn't discuss on this is that he has now been cleared for non-contact activities. So that truly means he's coming back to NXT very, very soon. He was 12 at the time of TakeOver 25. He was he just had his 12 weeks post-op. And that's when we found out the news that he is now, he can now do non-contact activities, which means that motherfucker is coming back to cut some fucking promos on Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. I'm going to say that shit again. John, not Johnny Gargano. Tommaso Ciampa is coming back to NXT to cut some fucking promos on Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. And I guarantee fucking to you, the second we find out he is cleared to compete once again, he is going after Johnny for for losing Goldie. The one person he trusted anything in this world to keep Goldie around his waist, he lost it. I guarantee you Gargano Champa has to happen sooner. Rather than later, once he is fully cleared to compete again and compete in the wrestling ring and do all the things he normally does, he's going after Johnny. For not keeping Goldie within between the two of them. They're going to we're going to get that conclusion sooner rather than later, wherever. I think I will probably I'm not exactly sure when he's going to come back, when his, his exact date is, but it'll probably definitely be before the end of the year. Um, that usually would be around Survivor Series, Royal Rumble time. Somewhere in between there, if he's good to go, I think he's going after Johnny Gargano for fucking over the fact that he lost the belt to Adam Cole. This is really, really good news, and very, and I'm very happy that Tommaso Ciampa is cleared to for non to non for non competing activities. Because the greatest sports entertainer of all time, like I said, is going to be coming back to NXT. Very, very soon. And that, of course, being a big fan of Champa makes me very, very happy. So, Adam Cole is now your NXT champion. And this is a very, very good thing for NXT. There were many chances for Cole to become NXT champion um, way before last Saturday. Um, it was just you know, right place wrong time, and that was the case of it. It was the case of the right place wrong time for Adam Cole. Um, right after I believe Takeover Brooklyn Four, if I'm not mistaken, when he when he was introduced, when he became made his debut with the uh, Undisputed Era, Colorado and Bobby Fish, um, it was looked it looked as if he was gonna go after McIntyre for the championship. All of a sudden, then it became McIntyre almost. And he and um, I was thinking that you know, Cole was gonna get his shot last year. That didn't happen. But then he became the North America first ever North American champion, and that kind and that was that was good. But I knew Adam Cole had NXT champion written all over him. It was just the, always the wrong time for him to become champion. This past Saturday night, it was the perfect time. For Cole to take the NXT championship away from Johnny Gargano. He proved that he could beat Johnny Gargano one-on-one. And what I thought was a damn good match between him and Johnny Gargano. over 30, Just a little bit over 30 minutes. It was, I believe, if I remember correctly on Twitter, I read it was 31 minutes, 26 seconds in the main event. It was a very damn good battle a lot of back and forth just moments and the the way and I saw and I heard this on JD from my206 channel the reason you knew it wasn't gonna there wasn't gonna be you know there wasn't gonna be a title change was when they did each other's finishers you know that Cole went for the last shot Adam Cole went for the gargano escape and looking back on it because initially when I posted on Instagram, I stated that their second encounter was better than the first. I may have to retract that statement because looking back on it and really sleeping on it and thinking about it and really just sitting there thinking, like, what match was better, their first or their second? Their two out of three falls, I think, was actually slightly better. For the simple fact that it had a bit more drama attached to it, that it was truly Gargano's night. Um, and just the story that was told in within that match in and of itself. Johnny Gargano battling through the entire Undisputed Era and still somehow, some way, finding a way to come back from 0-1 to win two straight to become NXT champion. The story behind that actually made, was better than the story that was told on Saturday night. And that's, and you know, I can admit when I was wrong. Their first encounter was better than their second. Even though their second was amazing. Their second match was fucking fantastic. And what Triple H stated that by his math, it's 2-2. And that there will be, I'm sure there will be a rematch somewhere down the line before TakeOver Toronto. Um, It was, but the match itself was so damn good. I was so impressed by, you know, these two men. These two men really gave everything in this matchup. Even the parts of the where the you know Johnny Gargano thought uh Adam Cole was calling out Undisputed Era after the rep bump. And you know, Gargano had the chair ready just in case no one came out. No one came out. He pulled the Okie doke on him and was still able to beat Johnny. The Bridgeport Connecticut crowd, I could not be happier with them. They were pro Adam Cole all fucking night. They were pro-Undisputed Era all night long. Um very big, very big pop for Cole when he won the championship. A lot of booze for Johnny Gargano. They wanted to see a, They wanted a title change badly, and I and I we knew NXT didn't really have a choice um, in making that title change happen. They had to make that title change happen, or Bridgeport actually might have rioted that night. Um, when I first when the movie and now getting into this next point, um, Bridgeport actually. Did their fucking job on saturday i we had heard news for a long time that x over twenty five was supposed to be in San jose california um and then we I got okie-doked into thinking it was gonna be in San Jose Come to find out it was in bridgeport connecticut and the first thought i wa- thought, first thought that I had was that's an interesting one, and landscapers are out today lovely. Lovely. Thank you for uh, fucking with me during my recording. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So getting back into it. When I heard that Bridgeport was going to be the uh, place to. All right. This motherfucker. Really? Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, when I first heard that Bridgeport, Connecticut was going to be the landing spot for Takeover 25, I was thinking to myself, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay, then I thought about okay, it's close to Stanford, blah blah blah, yada yada. But the Bridgeport crowd honestly came to fucking play on Saturday night, and I could not be happier with the crowd. They were into it all night, even when they had the um, Velveteen Dream Breeze uh, Tyler Breeze match. It took a little bit because they they had the they had the Dead Spot match, of course, um, but they really. Even, it, and they had to work to get that crowd back into it. But once they did, the crowd got right back into the action with Dream and Breeze. They killed it, and it, they were a great crowd all night long. To Bridgeport, Connecticut, I'm literally wearing a hat right now. I know you're just hearing this, but I am wearing a hat. I literally tipped the cap to y'all. Y'all were fan fucking tastic. The crowd was, the energy was just ridiculous from the beginning uh, between Riddle and Strong to the end when Cole won the championship. It was absolutely perfection. Bridgeport, once again, seriously, thank you for giving us that energy. I felt that energy coming from y'all through my television screen. I felt that energy. And that is why NXT is the best brand in WWE, bar none, hands down. Because of the fact that these motherfuckers are really trying me today. If y'all can hear this shit, y'all are hearing a mower right now cutting grass. In the apartment complex I live in. They're really testing my patience today. They are really fucking testing my patience. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway. All right. So, yeah. Adam Cole is champion. Bridgeport, y'all were fantastic. The opening match between Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong on any given day could be a main event in and of itself. It really could. And... What a fucking match to oh, op- th- honestly, no other match. And I saw some. And I saw some people that I follow on Twitter, you know, saying Dream Breeze should have opened the show, and you could have made a case for that. But I think, and I did. I think I believe I did say you know, Riddle Strong should open the show. At least I got that right. I actually went four for five. Um, and the only one I got wrong was Shirai beating bazer And there's a lot of people I know I was reading was having Shirai beating bazer and I'll get into that in a minute, because there was a declaration I made on the preview predictions uh, episode, to which I had to adhere by until a certain thing does happen. But Riddle versus Strong was such a hard-hitting opening match; it was so good. Just watching these two just beat the living hell out of each other from beginning to end. Uh, one point, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at it on here. Um, when he had riddle on when uh strong had riddle on the ropes, and he just went for straight what was it? I think boot uh, hit a knee, then followed by a boot, and just ran the ropes and just clocked him with elbows after elbow after elbow. Just that spot was fire. It was such a good moment in that match. These two literally beat the living hell out of each other from beginning to end to the point where I was thinking. Because I, I did state, Dream Breeze had, was the dark horse match of the night candidate. I completely forgot Riddle Strong could have been match of the night candidate. And for some of y'all, that may be the match of the night. Until, of course, uh, a couple other matches happen. But this match really defined Matt Riddle's and Roderick Strong's career. Even in a loss. And I'm going to use the pun here. Roderick look strong. Pun intended. They both look great coming out of this, regardless of, you know, who won or lost. Riddle now as beating strong, I think, and I'm spitballing here because I don't know what the route that NXT is going to take. I think Riddle now, after they do Gargano Cole 3, and once they conclude that, I think in Toronto, we could be getting for Adam Cole's second title defense. He's getting he's gonna face Matt Riddle in a rematch. I think right now, besides Johnny Gargano getting his, of course, rematch for the NXT Championship somewhere during the summer, I think Matt Riddle, Adam Cole, too, is what we're going to get at Takeover Toronto for the NXT Championship. This set him, he beat strong. Of course, after the whole beatdown that he received from Strong, after there was a little bit of tension and dis- somewhat dissension in the uh, Undisputed Era with Strong taking out Riddle, I think now Riddle is going to be going after Cole for the NXT North, uh, not the North American Championship, the NXT Championship. I think it'll be Adam Cole's first true. Uh, now, of course, his, his first title offense will be against Johnny Gargano, but his first true title defense, which is what was technically your second defense, Um is it gonna be I think it's gonna be against Adam Cole. Adam Cole that'd be weird if he faced himself. That'd be super kick party all day. Um against Matt Riddle. I think that match can be revisited. Um I like the Cole Riddle feud that they had. Um it definitely has legs. Uh I I think because I knew there w- this wasn't going to be the last we were going to see of these two face each other and now that Riddle has beaten Roderick Strong I think he's going to be gunning for Adam Cole and that NXT championship. It just makes perfectly good sense. Um Riddle ever since he stepped foot in NXT has just grown so much. And I've said this plenty about certain guys Names like, of course, an Alistair Black, a Ricochet, and my personal favorite, Velveteen Dream. Ever since his uh, Alistair Black feud, he has just grown so, so much with his promos, with his moveset, with his character. He has just progressed. And Riddle, you can say the same thing about Matt Riddle. He has just progressed so, so much within this. And I love it. And I love that he has grown so much. To where he is now and it is so wonderful to see it is a beautiful thing to see you know and I like I, I pretty much love the entire roster from, from you know top down you know name you know of course the names like Cole Gargano, Champa, Riddle, um, Dream, Breeze all those guys even to the lower tier names like um, Don, uh, Keith Lee, uh, Dominic Dajakovich, um, you know I know Shane Strickland's going to be coming in there soon Stokely Hathaway is now part of the whole deal um, you know, Albert Hardy Jr. ACH is gonna be a part of the fold very soon. Damian Priest, who pretty much got a little uh, vignette during the show um Saturday night. Big fucking deal. And I love me some punishment Martinez anyway. Um, you know, top to bottom, even in the women's division, you know, of course the Baslers, the LaRays, the Shiraz, the Bianca Belairs, the Mia Yams, and then like of names like uh Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah and all and all those ladies. It's really nice to see, you know, the progress. it's really nice to see the progression of everyone coming up. And it makes me happy knowing that seeing the progression of Matt Riddle definitely speaks volumes to where from where he started to where he is now, having feuds with Cassius Ono, Matt having a little thing with Matt Riddle. Um, Velveteen Dream, his match with him was awesome. And now look where he's at. He's probably at least one step away from facing Adam Cole for the NXT championship. And honestly, he should be the rightful next contender to face Adam Cole at TakeOver Toronto. You could probably you probably have someone else in mind. I don't know who, but Riddle right now, I think with his uh, momentum, he's going to be gunning for that NXT championship. And there's no other reason why you should think anything otherwise of that. So, looking into here. So, the ladder match. Jesus fucking Christ. Were they trying to die or what? This was such a good ladder match. For the tag team championships. It was so good. So, so good. I knew it was going to be good. But I didn't know it was going to be that good. These men were literally trying to kill each other. In the end. The Street Profits. Um, Dawkins, I believe, took out Wesley Blake. Montez Ford jumped on the ladder from the ropes, springboarded onto the ladder, knocking off uh, Steve Cutler and taking the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now, I spoke with Nick um, that night and we had a little back and forth about the Street Profits becoming Tag Team Champions. And I'm not going to discuss, you know, what was said but we did have a good discussion and i like the fact that the street profits are now the nxt tag team champions the reason why is more so along the lines of angelo dawkins for those who are who have followed nxt for years now we know that angelo dawkins was a single star for a very long time but it looked as if he wasn't really getting over with the crowd as a single star And I did notice that very early on. And he wasn't really getting the victories he thought he felt he was going to get. And he had been on some tag teams before. But with Montez Ford, with the formation of the Street Profits, former Evolve tag team champions, I think that run as tag team champions in Evolve really skyrocketed them to where they are today, now as NXT tag team champions. I could not be more proud of a tag team. Like the street Province, that got over with the crowd with the solo cup solo cup nation, and you know Montez Ford being the character that he is, the high flyer that he is, that boy can get some height. Angelin Dawkins and Montez Ford work so well together; they have gelled so well together. When you notice it, when I say the same 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 thing with the like the Golden State Warriors when they got now we already knew that when they got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and OK, fuck you, Facebook right now. This ain't the time to do that shit, um, you know, and then they got a Kevin Durant and they already had guys like Iguodala and, and then they got uh, Boogie Cousins and they already had Dream on Green on the team and they just added that. And then they just gelled so well. They already had Curry, Thompson and Green and then they, had, they were already gelling together. And then you add in a Kevin Durant, and they gel so well. And then you get a Boogie Cousins, and they gel so well together. That's kind of like Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. They just gel so absolutely fucking well together. They play off each other so well. The chemistry they have is second to none. Hate them or love them. They're now your current reigning and defending NXT Tag Team Champions. And I couldn't be any more proud of the street profits from day one i've been a fan of them i just think they fit so well um even in the earlier days when they had the, that little shitty titan drawing video to what they have now they've evolved no pun intended so fucking well i could not be prouder and even i mean me being a, a person of color uh of mixed race you know i of course i'm seeing you know uh black excellence as uh the kids say it nowadays it's um, it makes me happy to see that I was of course I picked the Street Profits to win the championships. There was no other team in that quartet that was going to win that championship. You could have picked the Undisputed Era, and I wouldn't have been mad at you. You could have picked Lorkin and Birch for all I cared, and I wouldn't be mad at you. Um, the Forgotten Sons, uh, we'll discuss them on the uh, next segment of the bad, and we'll get into that for a particular reason. Even though I am still am a fan of the Forgotten Sons. Um there was no other team in that quartet that deserve to become NXT Tag Team Champions than the Street Profits. And now, going forward, it's going to be really cool to see what they do as Tag Team Champions. How will they handle that, knowing that they're now the target of every other tag team in the division? You know, with, of course, this, you know, Undisputed Era, that's going to be, I think it's going to be gunning for them. And the, um, you know, the team of working and Birch, uh, by uh, Bartell and Eichner, I think they may be coming back. You know, who knows if they bring over you know Mustache Mountain to face him again. Um, the Forgotten Sons they may have another match with them, and, Andy, and all the other tag teams that they're going to be bringing into the fold. Um, uh, I'm sure they'll be they're building up some tag teams right now, uh, to help you know because because you know once because you always you always know that certain champions once they finish their title reign, they're going to be called up to the main roster. And I have to keep this in mind as well, that they may be bringing up Street Profits whenever their title reign is up. Because who knows if they have anything to do after they lose the belts. But I think with the Street Profits becoming tag team champions, I think their title reign will be a very solid one. I think that they're going to probably wait on the Undisputed Era Street Profits. And I think they're going to be doing that towards the end of the year. But I'm I, I'm foreshad- I'm not foreshadowing. I'm just thinking long term. But I think that's going to be your big money match going into I think War Games three. I will say that I think they're going to be definitely. I don't think they're going to pop the cherry just yet. At Takeover Toronto, I think they're going to. But I think they're going to wait on that for a while. I think they're going to wait on that just a little bit. And if and if really and and if uh, Adam Cole setting the you know starting the snowball effect and creating that big snowball. Um, we're going to be definitely getting Undisputed Era Street Profits before the year is up. But for right now, let's appreciate the fact that a team like Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford are your current reigning and defending NXT Tag Team Champions, because that ladder match was absolutely insane. So many good spots in that match. Uh, Even the spot with Jackson Riker getting destroyed by all the other teams that weren't the Forgotten Sons getting pummeled with the ladder. Um, The booze from the crowd was hilarious from that. So fucking hilarious! I I really loved I really loved this match. Um, there were so many crazy spots. Um, with Montez Ford uh, jumping over the top rope onto uh the Forgotten Sons, Lord came going underneath from the undisputed area. He got a couple shot. Uh, he got a high flying spot there. Every team had their moment in the match, and that's kind of what you want from a fatal four way. Fatal four ways always worried me the most. Uh, more so in the main roster than I do with NXT because I know every person involved is going to have a moment in the match. And I will discuss Color Rally towards the end. Um, I will let y'all know right now, that's going to be my ugly um, for this uh, this episode of the podcast because they literally, he literally took a beating in that match. And I will discuss that in the ugly segment of the show. But this match was definitely, you could have really picked this as your match of the night and I would not be mad at you. You could pick Gargano Cole versus Magic of the Night, and I would not be mad at you. You could pick Strong versus Riddle, and I wouldn't be mad at you at all. What a, it, it, NXT TakeOver was just a great night, so like literally so far. In terms of the North American Championship, I want to discuss about, not Velveteen Dream. I want to discuss Tyler Breeze for, for a moment. Because we all know Velveteen Dream is that dude. We all, we all know, Velveteen Dream is NXT Championship material, <laughs> and we already know, and we all know, Velveteen Dream is just that kind of guy. His, his charisma is second to none. But I want to discuss Tyler Breeze for a moment, and this is why it's a, it's, this is a good for me. Not only did Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream somehow get the crowd back into the card, especially after. The insane fatal four way ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Tyler Breeze coming back to NXT, I felt was a beautiful thing, and I think, and there's a big reason why there were reports of certain NXT, uh, certain WWE superstars, main roster superstars, wanting to go back down to NXT. One of them, in that case, now now known as Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger, he wanted to go back down to NXT. And I keep, and I've said this multiple times, and I keep saying it, of course, with Kevin and I. We have that, we believe that NXT should be treated as a Triple A ball club. And I've said this multiple times before. It's a broken record, but I like going back to it. Tyler Breeze going back down to NXT and stating after the match that NXT is now home. He is not leaving NXT. He is going, he is back in NXT and he is staying there for the time being. And I love that Tyler Breeze is back in NXT. Not only for the simple fact that up, up, down, down battle, of the brands between him and Xavier Woods is going to be awesome going forward because now he's in Orlando, not permanently before, at least for the, at least for the time being, he is back in Orlando. I think this does Tyler Breeze so much good. Especially now with the amount of talent they now have in NXT. Names like, of course, a Velveteen Dream, a Matt Riddle, a Johnny Gargano, a, a Diamond Dajakovich, a Keith Lee, um, even a Kona Reeves, um, a Damian Priest, who's going to be probably making his uh, re-debut very soon. Um, Tommaso Ciampa, The Undisputed Era. This is a big look for Tyler Breeze and probably the biggest opportunity for him going forward. I love Tyler Breeze. I love Tyler Breeze in NXT before he got called up to the main roster. I love his character. I love his heel-like qualities. I love the fact that he was just a supreme dick. I I just, you know, you know that, that supermodel guy. Um, I think this fucking works. And the fact that he is now back in NXT from here on out at least for the time being. And the match he had with the Velveteen Dream on Saturday night was fucking fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Going forward, Tyler Breeze is probably going to become a big deal in NXT. And even going back to when he made his return to NXT and the chance of not welcome back, but welcome home. That was a beautiful moment for Tyler Breeze. And I'm sure when he felt that, it was big. And I'm sure Velveteen Dream felt that as well. You know, like this is a big, this was a big deal. And the fact that they had to compete in the dead, in the proverbial dead spot of NXT. And I discussed this in a video I put on Instagram of my stories. Uh, they really made it work. They got the crowd back into the match. And that was really fucking cool for me to see that. An NXT alum, like a Tyler Breeze, come back into the fold and have a match that he had with Velveteen Dream was really superb. And I'm really proud of Tyler Breeze for putting on the match that he had and, you know, really doing his job, you know, really. And it made it look like Tyler Breeze was going to win the North American Championship. And it always enhances. like Matches like the one they had, that Velveteen, Velveteen Dream's title reign, ever since he became the North American Champion, um, beating Johnny Gargano, he has had one hell of a title reign, and matches with Matt Riddle and Tyler Breeze has been so stunning to me. And Matt, uh, Tyler Breeze really helped add more prestige to the North American Championship that I couldn't, you know, I I was just so amazed. That even after the match, when the Dream had Tyler Breeze's phone and he was taking selfie vids of himself and all this. And after the match, pretty much, you know, Dream grabbing his cell phone, taking videos of himself, and gives the phone back to Breeze and, you know, saying that, you know, he may have his phone, but Dream still has the belt. And and then they had the moment where you know, the uh, breeze and dream having a selfie together, a moment of mutual respect, even though dream did beat breeze to retain the championship that I'm sure for both dream and breeze, that was a wonderful moment. And I'm sure in the back, they were definitely saying thank you to each other. And I'm sure breeze was so appreciative of the fact that he did get that championship shot, even though it wasn't a losing effort. The ending of the match was fucking cool as shit. Cause it gave me Eddie Guerrero vibes um, with dream, you know, Bringing the belt in, uh, Dream uh, Breeze trying to prevent it. He gives the uh, he throws his head at Breeze, distracting him for a certain moment. The Dream Valley driver then followed by the Purple Rainmaker for him to get the one, two, three and retain the championship. That was a really cool moment for me. The match itself was great. I loved it. Um, like I said, not the not it, that is not my match of the night. Um, and like I said, being in the dead spot does hurt your chances of me of y'all being picked my match of the night. Um, but I will say for, for what they got out of it, for what we were given that they fucking absolutely killed it in a match where the energy is so just taken out of the building with, uh, the street profits becoming tag team champions. They brought that crowd right back into it, leading into the women's title match. That was fan fucking tastic. And I'm sure Tyler Breeze is so appreciative of the f- opportunity that he was given to face the velvet, to face a talent like the Velveteen dream for the North American championship. I can be not more any more prouder than I am of Tyler Breeze, man. I I can't wait to see what happens with Breeze going forward. I could see him and Kushida going at it. I want to see that feud now. That's one feud I would love to see heading into the remainder of 2019. Tyler Breeze, Kushida, if I get, if we get that, just call me, just call me Nivranas. If y'all know, if y'all watch the Pell Show, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I would love to see a Breeze Kushida feud. I think that feud would be so fucking money and it would help enhance Kushida's career and Tyler Breeze for that matter because those would be two guys I would love to see compete against each other. Um, it would just be something I really would like to see. But seeing Tyler Breeze now back in NXT permanently, at least for the time being, couldn't be more proud of the guy. To round out the good, Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai, I thought was a really, I thought was a good women's title match. Um, I proclaimed on NXT Takeover 25, and this will lead into the bad that if Shayna Baszler beat Io Shirai. For the NXT Women's Championship. I from here on out, until Baszler lost the belt, I will be picking Shayna Baszler. Period. That is that was my proclamation. I would pick, I would be forced to pick Shayna Baszler until for every takeover she competes in, from here on out until she loses the strap. I have this now. As a man, I gotta stand by my word, and I will give you all that. I will be picking Shayna Baszler for every takeover title defense she has until she loses the strap just so y'all know so when it comes to women's championship matches just so you know Shayna Baszler is going to be my pick and the reason I say this is a good is because NXT as much as y'all as much as we can hate Shayna Baszler I appreciate heels I love heels I am a heel guy I love it it just speaks to me more than a baby face um there are certain baby faces like Gargano that I do love and Matt Riddle that I do love. But I love me some fucking heels. And Shayna Baszler, I have stated time and time again, is one of my three favorite heels in and in, in, in all of WWE right now. And that would have been, I picked Samoa Joe, Tommaso Champa, and Shayna Baszler. For the simple fact that she murders it in the ring every single time. And ever since she has made her NXT debut, she has gotten progress she has gotten so much better. And like I said earlier with Matt Riddle, she has gotten progressively better with every single takeover match. Ever since she won the championship back from Kyrie Sane at takeover war games, I have said time and time again, it was her time to be called up. She was gonna come up to the main roster. Her and, and then we were gonna get the start of the four horse women deal. And that pretty much fucking dissolved very quickly. Vince, you bot. Um, <laughs> I just want one thing to go right in 2019 for the main roster. Can I have something? Just something. And just so y'all know, Four Horsewomen versus Four women now is pretty much, in my mind, dead. Dead. Another missed booking opportunity. That's a whole nother show in and of itself. But Shayna Baszler as NXT Women's Champion. A dominant reign, as far as uh, the only, only the second woman to hold the women's championship twice. As dominant of a title reign she has had, there's no reason for me to even think she's gonna be losing a championship anytime soon. She could hold that belt literally for the remainder of the year if she wanted to, if NXT allows that, if NXT is booking that like that. Um, the reason I say this is good is because. Yes, I would. Yes, I picked Shirai to ch- win the championship and uh, start a reign. But I think now, and here's why it's good this opens the door for Candace LeRae to possibly be the one to take the title away from Shayna Baszler. Because we all thought EO Shirai was going to be that one. And we made every case in the book for Shirai to. Shut up, tablet. I'm going to have to shut you. I'm going to have to silence you for a little bit. Go down. There we go. There we go. We made the case for Io Shirai to be the one to take the title from Shayna Baszler. That, unfortunately, did not happen for a lot of us. Um, But I appreciate the fact that Shayna Baszler has had a dominant reign like the one she's had. To the point where it makes me believe That she just may hold the title until they call her up to the main roster and she said, fuck it. I'm just going to relinquish the belt. I don't care anymore. I've done everything I needed to do. And we may get that storyline somewhere down the line during the summer. But I think now with Baszler beating Shirai and proving once again why she is the best NXT women's wrestler that NXT has to offer, this now opens the door for Candace LeRae to be the, possibly be the one, and I'm going to say possibly from here on out, possibly be the one to take the title away from Baszler. This shows her how dominant they want her to look. And the fact that the crowd booed Baszler's victory and then cheered her uh, Shirai's attack on um, Baszler after the fact shows that she is killing it as a heel. You know, yeah, I love the attack from Shirai. I love how pissed off she was that she lost to Baszler and that we're probably going to get a no disqualification match between these two. But I'm appreciative of the fact that Baszler as a heel in NXT, she is doing her job, people. She is doing her fucking job as NXT Women's Champion and as the most dominant heel woman that we have seen in the history of NXT. Charlotte hasn't even pulled this off like that. Uh, Paige as a uh, champion, as dominant as she was. She is no other woman in NXT has had a title reign like Baszler's from War Games 2 till now. No one, no woman on the roster, former and now, has had a dominant title reign like the one we have seen like Sheena Baszler's. guarantee it you can look you go down the list Paige Charlotte Sasha Bailey you know Ember Moon Asuka I'd say that's that that would be the closest I think okay let me let me rephrase that there has been no other title reign since Asuka like the one Sheena Baszler has right now I almost forgot about Asuka how can we forget about Asuka we love Asuka I love Asuka that's that's she holds a special place in all of our hearts. I promise you that. But there has been no other title reign like since Asuka's reign before she got called up to the main roster that has been like Sheena Baszler's. I'm really going to I'm really gonna get roasted on this one. I, I swear to God. There has been no other title reign like Asuka. Like, like the one that Baszler has that that can stand up to the reign she has like Asuka's. Of course, she had a 900-day title reign as NXT Women's Champion. No one will ever touch that. We know that. But there has been none like her since hers up until now was Shayna Baszler, her second title reign. And that makes me really proud. And that shows what I've stated um, with titles. Long, dominant title reigns add prestige to the belt. Oscar's reign will not be fucked with. She passed Goldberg for the longest title reign in the history of WWE, as they call it. But Baszler's second title reign right now is something to behold and should be respected. And that's why it's a good because we're showing, we're playing to the fact that, you know, Baszler cannot be stopped. And with Marina Shafir and Jessica Duke by her side, the only person left that I can think of that can stop her is Candace LeRae. Mia Yim, I can't see it right now. Bianca Belair already had her chance already and it didn't work. Kyrie Sane. She had her shot at WrestleMania weekend and take over New York. It didn't work. Baszler is still your champion. I have tried many times to pick against Shayna Baszler. At this point, I have to just, you know what? And that's why I made the proclamation because I felt Shirai was going to be the one to beat Baszler. And now I have to eat my words. And now I, from here on out, I have sta- I stated I will be picking Shayna Baszler until she loses that belt for every takeover title defense she has. Even if I want the person that's going to be standing across from her that night, that I know who's going to beat her, there's no reason for me to pick against Sheena Baser from here on out. Her title reign is is damn good, and it's, it should be respected. It should be truly respected, and we should all respect the fact that she is one of the most dominant heels right now in NXT, and you got to respect that. 100%. So that was the good. And we were going, damn, we are 53 minutes in. That's why. And that's why this was a great show. So much good came out of this. This was the good. That was NXT TakeOver. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen from our sponsor. And we're going to get back into it with the bad. Because there was some bad. That was NXT TakeOver 25. Stick around. We'll be right back. and we are back with the good, the bad, and the ugly that was TakeOver 25. Now we get into the bad. Now, there wasn't much bad about this show at all. There was not much bad. Um, well, it's it, it, to me, when it comes to bad for NXT TakeOver shows or shows like AEW's Double or Nothing, um, there... That was me. I just opened my uh, water jug, by the way. Um, I usually tend to be nitpicky as fuck about, um, takeovers. And that, and that is the God's honest truth. If you go back to any of my takeover shows that I've done since the beginning of this podcast, I really have been super, super, super nitpicky about, um, NXT takeover shows. And in particular, there are, there are pretty much two. That, I know, that were big, big, um, big, big ones. Now, in terms of, actually, I'm going to go with three. Um, the pre-show didn't have as much guest, many guests as I thought they were going to have. Um, usually they would have, like, a guest or two, or, um maybe like a person who possibly is going to be part of the uh, maybe a new star. Um, We didn't, we we knew, we know of certain stars that were going to be that have been brought into the fold. Um, Shane Strickland, we know has been signed. Stokely Hathaway has been signed. Uh, Albert Hardy Jr. He's been signed to NXT. Um, It would have been really nice to see one of those um, talents um, being featured on the pre-show or even maybe an NXT alum. Um, coming back since it is NXT Takeover, since it's the 25th um event for NXT, um, it would have really been nice to see maybe uh an alum, maybe like a Sami Zayn or a Cesaro or the Revival or maybe the um, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of names here, maybe a Becky Lynch, a Lacey Evans a Charlotte, maybe a and uh, We know Sasha Banks probably wasn't going to be back into the fold anyway, but it really would have been nice to see uh, more NXT alums um, being here for this event. So it was a very momentous, uh, momentous event. It was a very big event. The 25th ever takeover. Um, and first and foremost, just uh, for a second, I'm going to raise my coffee cup. Uh, here's to 25 fucking more, first and foremost. Maybe we have 25 more beautiful takeovers that really just captivate Everybody going forward. So here's to you for that. And I'm gonna take a sip of my coffee because it's quite delicious. Mm. Mmm. Coffee needs a little bit more sugar. Needs a little bit more uh truly, a little sweetener actually. But it would have been nice to see a couple more just you know guests on the show instead of just Champa. That's not to say Champa's segment on the show on the pre-show wasn't bad at all, it was fucking awesome. But, you know, it would have really been nice to just see more names for the pre show on this event. Again, I'm just being super nitpicky at this point. In terms of the women's championship match, um, and it, this was towards the end of the match. Um, Candice LeRae came out, beat the living hell out of Duke and Shafir with the kendo stick, a little poetic justice for them. Um, but the one thing I didn't like was that Shirai was more focused on, you know, cheering on Candace being the hell out of Duke and uh, Shafir than her focusing on Shayna Baszler. And that honestly, like I said, this is, again, nitpicky as fuck, but it really was a major detail in this matchup. I was wondering why, why was Shirai worry more about, you know, LeRae taking out, you know, Duke and Shafir than her being focused on uh, Tina Baszler, it looked as if Lerae had all of that way under control. So, and I'm thinking in my head, turn the fuck around and focus on Baszler. She's got this. She's got this down. We're good. She's good. She's got this. We're good over here. You know, she's good over on this side. You know, now you can go back and focus on Baszler since Duke and Shafir aren't going to be worrying about. Trying to get on your ass. You know what I mean? And that that was kind of like, and that was part, that was a major part of why Baszler retained is because of that. It was one of the big reasons why, you know, Shirai didn't get the job done because she was focusing on Candace LeRae. That was a big moment in the match where, you know, That portion of the of the match is that um Candace Loray had everything good. She was good. You know, at that point, Shirai was good. She had nothing to worry worry about at that point. She focused on LeRay a bit too long for my liking. And that definitely was part of the reason why Baszler retained, is because of that moment there. Um, I definitely definitely would have liked just, you know, Shirai to focus on that. And now, and, and you and you can say for a bad that it would have, for a bad, it was, it could have been bad, depending on who you ask, um, to have Shirai not become NXT Women's Champion. A lot of people felt that it was her time to take the belt and that, you know, Basler had done everything we needed to do up until this point. You can definitely say that was a bat, for sure. Um You know, her, of course, Candace talking to Shirai about, you know, the attacking her, attacking them and everything. They definitely could have left that out and just let that be a surprise. You know, yeah, we had uh Candace say that she was gonna be in her corner and all that stuff, but you know, it would have been nice to just, you know, Looking back on it, it could have been nice to just be like, you know, I got your back. You know, instead of just saying, I got your back, you know, having Candace come out instead and not say anything to Io, Um, yes, in theory, it, and I did say it was a good moment, good thing to have Candace in her corner, but had she not had said anything or spoke to Shirai prior to the title match, are you fucking kidding me right now with these landscapers? God damn it, I'm trying to record over here, Mike. What's up? Jesus fucking Christ! Anyway, I'm gonna get past. We're gonna get past this. We're gonna get past. I'm keeping this all in, by the way. Not changing a damn thing. Um, if they had not spoken about it, it would have created a bigger moment. They are really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dog Marley just woke up. But I know, I know. They're making noise. They're making all kinds of noise right now. I know they're interrupting your sleep. You gotta let the princess sleep. I know. I know. I think we're good. We are good? You go to sleep. Good night. Anyway, getting back into it. Candace if had if if she said nothing throughout the night, if she didn't have they didn't have that segment with Kyrie, oh not Kyrie Jesus Christ, with EO and candace talking, I think it would've created a bigger moment in that match. For it. And it and think about it like this, too. Maybe if Candace and Eo didn't talk, the possibility of Shirai winning the championship probably would have been exponentially greater for EO to win the championship. But then it goes back to now Candace now possibly being the one to take the title from Shayna as opposed to EO. Taking the belt because when you really look back at it and you really honestly think about it, Candice is don't get me wrong, EO is a solid hardcore baby face. But Candace, I think is the much is, is a really is a bigger baby is a bigger baby face, more bubbly, I think, in NXT's eyes, than EO is. That's not to say is not a, as big as babyface as Candace is, but I think. Candace may being possibly being the one to take the title from Shayna when you honestly wrap your head around it would have made a little bit more sense with that. Just um, you know, Shirai focusing more on the the Ray attack on Duke and Shafir um was kind of a bad for me. It's just like, bitch, turn around. She good. We're good. Worry about, Bane. Worry about Shayna. You got this. The last bad that I have for this segment. This is going to be a very short segment. Um, and and the ugly is as well. Um, again, like I said, this is going to be straight nitpicky. and as, as, as a matter of fact, we're just going to combine the bad and the ugly into one since there was so much good that came out of this. And I'm just being very nitpicky. We're just going to have the bad and the ugly into one. Um, in terms of the main event between Gargano and Cole, the main event was fucking awesome. What kind of and I did mark out uh, for those who don't know who uh, Josiah Williams is. He is um, wrestling flow. He is his channel wrestling flow. He does um, you know, I guess you could say like remixes um, t- of certain wrestlers uh, of he's done many uh, covers for um, superstars and one of them has been Adam Cole. He's done Pete Dunne, he's done Mia Yim. Bianca Belair. He's done. I'm trying to think of the Usos. He's done Bullet Club. He's done. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else he's done. Um, did he do Champs? No. He hasn't done Bobby Roode's, which would be, which would super be super lit. Um, but he's done plenty of you know. He's done very various, various uh, theme songs. He's put his uh, uh, raps over it and has done those and has been well received by the fans, he has a YouTube channel, that's big as fuck, he actually got signed by WWE, uh, actually, no, by NXT, uh, a couple of months ago, and he did, he was at TakeOver New York, um, and he was, uh, he took over, no pun intended, he took over the, uh, I believe NXT page, um, for the social, I believe it was for their Snapchat or their Instagram stories, um, for that, and is a it, that I think it, now it was a big big deal for him to be a part of NXT takeover 25 and rapping over um Adam Cole's and you know during uh, Adam Cole's entrance uh before Johnny Gargano came out um I marked out for it because I'm a big fan of his I love his channel I love what he does the only thing that reason why I say it was bad is because it kind of took away a little bit from the entrance for Adam Cole it's not to say it wasn't a bad deal it was just it kind of took away from it and a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people um, unless you were a fan of his or you know who Josiah Williams actually is um, before he even did that he's more of a he was uh, kind of a Christian rapper uh, from what I understand he's a Christian rapper um, it did take a bit away from Adam Cole's entrance um, the Undisputed Era theme song in and of itself is uh, synonymous with Adam Cole um, the crowd marks out for it and everything. Um, but I'm sure a good amount of people were probably thinking, "Who the fuck is this dude?" And that's why I say it was bad because unless you know of wrestling flow and of and, of the, other, and the other one I think of uh, for him was Gallus. His if you never checked out uh, his YouTube channel, check out his cover of Gallus' theme song from NXT UK. Um, I believe it was with a uh, Megadon. If I'm if I remember his name, uh, the other guy he actually worked with on the song. Uh, that fucking cover was majestic as hell. They absolutely killed that. I loved it. And the wrestlers who he covers um were are appreciative of that as well. Amiya Yim is another one that he covered if I hadn't said that already. Um and they and they love his stuff too. They give him so much love on Instagram. He posted on Instagram previews of it. Um in this case, I don't think it was... I, even though I did mark out for it, and I thought it was really cool to see that moment for him. Looking back at it, I don't think it was really that needed. It wasn't really needed that night. And Like I said, it's not. It, w- it was a very good look for Josiah. It's a big deal, especially in the main event of a takeover special. But in this case, I didn't think it was... like Looking back at it and actually sleeping on it and thinking about it, it really wasn't that needed, you know and I'm sure like I said a lot of people were probably thinking who is this dude? You know, who's this guy right now? Good look for Josiah and all of that stuff, but in this particular case it really wasn't needed. But again, it was a big moment for Josiah and uh hats off to the dude uh for having that moment and allowing and for Triple H to, Triple H to allow him to have that moment with Adam Cole, you know. It was you know, cool in the moment, but then looking back at it, it's just like you know, I'm thinking more towards the lines of fans who don't know who he is. And that's why I say it was a bad because many people, a lot of people do not know who Josiah Williams is unless you're a fan of Wrestle and Flow, the YouTube channel, and follow him on Twitter and all that stuff. That's why it was bad. It's not because, you know, the whole performance of that was bad. It was because of the fact that a lot of people don't know who he is. And that kind of, you know, sucks um, for me because I am a big fan of his. Um, one other one that I'm thinking of, I'm just really going ones in my head. Uh, Marty Skrull, you want to talk about a dope ass cover of that? I'm telling you. And, and that is not to say, you know, it, it was, you know, he's a bad guy. Really, go check out his stuff. Go check out Wrestling Flow, uh, his YouTube, all that stuff. Check out his stuff on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's a really cool dude. Uh, you know, he's a really great follow. He's, and he is so appreciative of the fact that he is a part of now, he's now a part of NXT, of, you know. He went from just covering theme songs to now being hired by NXT to co- to be a part of their whole uh not I guess their social media deal. Um it is really cool to see that and it shows that if you really put the work in, you can get to where you are where he where he is right now. And I'm really happy for Josiah Williams to have not just, you know, be a part of NXT but be in that moment for him. It's just not a lot of people didn't know who he was. So that's why it's a bad for me. Now getting into the ugly of NXT takeover. And this is now usually the ugly, if you've heard one or two or enough good, bad, and the uglies for any pay-per-view that I've done since the beginning of the year. It's usually reserved for, you know, really terrible moments in the pay-per-view, shitty moments in the pay-per-view, or sometimes in this case, Kylo Riley taking the pun intended, the most undisputed beating of the night. And I'm going to go back and we're going to go and I'm looking at the chairshot.com right now and I'm just going to go scroll back up to this. Kyle O'Reilly took an absolute beating the entire match of the Fatal 4-Way ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. There were so many times where it looked like he was about to die to the point where even Moro Ronaldo himself added a South Park reference. They killed Kyle, to which I tweeted out. They killed Kyle. You bastards! If y'all know South Park, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you've been hiding under a fucking rock for 20 years, dude. Seriously, get with the fucking program and watch some South Park. It's beautiful content. Don't hate it. Um, that man took a serious beating. He fell on the ladder... It, it literally looked like, at points, he was going to die. I commend, and I've seen the, I saw the pictures on, uh, on social media of him, just uh, lacerations on his back, of the amount of times he fell on the ladder. He took some crazy falls during this match. Let me see if I can find a couple. I know he fell on the ladder. Um, I believe, yeah, the profits were... Um, let me see. Oh, there we got this here. Uh at this point in the match. Um, fans losing their minds over the double edged wrist that Blake took uh just took. Cutler drags two ladders over, but gets blasted by uh, Lord Lorcan's uppercut. Birch and Lorkin drag colour up for more uppercuts. Blake fights back. All the teams brawl. Darkin uh, Dawkins runs and leaps onto them all. The curse of greatness wipes them all out. Fans fire up with Dawkins. He and Ford regroup. Profits get a ladder up, and in all or alone's uh they set it up. Both climb up, Um. I don't know why they're calling him Red Dragon, but Red Dragon stops them both. O'Reilly and Fish climb, but Blake shoves the ladder over, and O'Reilly landed on the ladder itself. It looked like he was he was like literally nearly inches from just dying. Every single time he took a, a crazy bump, it looked like he was about to die. Let me see, let me find the moment where he, uh, they killed Kyle. So Blake tumbled out, Cutler ran in. Um for a double flat check on the ladder. Dawkins built another bridge. Uh, Fish intercepts Ford. O'Reilly hits a missile drop kick on Dawkins. O'Reilly still hits the ladder after that missile drop kick. Um, Fish and O'Reilly powered through to give Ford uh, the butterfly a wheelbarrow DDT. And the Suplex right onto the ladder. That was a really cool moment. That was fucking awesome. Uh, fans chanted that this is awesome while losing their minds. O'Reilly and Fish drag the ladder up and ram Dawkins with it. They set up the ladder. Lorkin returns. Fish hits Lorkin, then kicks Birch. Color comes back into the ring only for Fish to body check him. O'Reilly falls and hits his jaw at that moment. O'Reilly telling Fish to go up instead because of the shot that he took. I believe he, I believe he hurt his jaw on the ladder. This man was taking a straight beating all fucking night. Um, he tackles Blake. Fish goes up for the belt. Blake power bombs O'Reilly onto the ladder, which was literally onto the la- into the ladder. Picked him up while I think Fish was just going for the titles. And then Blake power bombs him right onto the ladder, and knock both and knock Fish off at the same time while um, hitting O'Reilly with the power bomb. To which Mo Rinaldi screamed, "They killed Kyle!" This man, I commend this, and I always say this all the time, even in joking. Give this man a fucking raise. Absolutely, give this man a, a nice raise on his paycheck for the night. That man earned his paycheck. All night, all all throughout this match, I was so impressed with O'Reilly's performance. And just off that performance alone, I'm giving that man the MVP of the night. That man took a straight beating. I hope that they keep him off NXT for at least a couple. I'm sure during the tapings, they probably kept him off for at least a show or two because... I'm sure all eight men who were involved, all nine men, including Jackson Riker, who were involved in this match are, were absolutely hurting on Sunday. I'm sure they're still feeling it today. Um, going, I'm sure they're doing their tours right now after doing their tapings. Um, Jesus, that man took a straight beating on Saturday. I commend him for his efforts. I commend him for, you know, being able to take the bumps that he did. Just to entertain us. And for that, I commend him for it. MVP of the night will go to Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era. Now, the past couple of uh, good and bad and the uglies, I have not given you my uh, matches of the night, my worst matches of the night, and um, my great letter grades. And I do apologize for not doing that. I have made up for it by putting, putting it on Instagram, but not as much as I usually do. But we are back into the swing of things and I'm going to give you guys my match of the night. I will give you guys my top three to make do it better. I'm going to give you my top three matches of the night. My worst match of the night. Unfortunately, even though this was a great event, I have to give one by default and I will give you my letter grade for NXT TakeOver 25. So here we go. Top three matches of the night starting from number three. Number three. I'm going to give it to Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong. and This was a really big back and forth between this and the other two matches. Either one of the three matches I'm going to give you could have, honestly, in your opinion, if you had, a, if you do a podcast, or whether you don't, or if you're just talking about it in passing with a friend or whatever, who watched Tennessee TakeOver with you, or whatever. This could have been your match of the night, and I wouldn't be mad at you at all. Any one of the three matches I'm going to give you could have been match of the night, and I seriously could have not been mad at you at all all um in this case it was a very great opener it was a very fantastic way to open the show they absolutely these two absolutely fucking killed it very uh, i think this was the best way to open the show there was no other show uh, another other match on this card that could open up the show the way that riddle and strong opened up the show on any NXT TV show, NXT, uh, episode of NXT TV, this would have been a classic main event. And the fact that I, I even stated this was a match. This could have been match of the year candidate off the rip. This could have been match of the year candidate. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll take a sip of coffee real quick. Wait, uh, Moisoo. Coffee makes me happy. And without coffee, I am not saying... It is true, but this on any NXT TV show would have definitely upped the chances of them being a match of the year candidate. I definitely said out the gate on Twitter. If you guys follow me at Tway Senator WWI, this was a match of the year candidate, hands down. Um, It will definitely, I'll definitely throw that into the pot of match of the year candidates and towards the end of the year, I may consider it to be uh, one of my top 10 matches of the year. The fact that you got three, in my honest opinion, you got three match of the year candidates out of one event that ups your grade big time. Think of it like this out of five matches, there are these three matches I consider match of the year candidates. I'm throwing all three of them into the pot for match of the year. And it was fucking awesome to watch. A uh, very hot opener um with two guys who we who I already respected who in when this match was open open. When this match was over up their stocks. Neither man lost, went down in in their stock at all, I think, going forward. Their stock rose, big time, especially strong with the Undisputed Era. And Riddle in victory, definitely, and I said earlier in the good, that was NXT TakeOver 25. It upped his chances of possibly being the next top contender for the NXT Championship after Gargano Cole is concluded. I think he should be the first guy, after Gargano, to face Adam Cole. This was a very great match. Has so much replay value. If I were to watch NXT over 25 again, which I may do sometime in the future, I will immediately watch this match first over everything. I would just honestly, if I'm just bored one day and I really have nothing else better to do and I've done everything I need to do for the day, I would just watch NXT over just to watch this again. I would honestly watch this again because that was match was that good. So I'm having Riddle strong at number three. Number two... And number one, the margin of who was number one and who was number two was literally so close that I was honestly, honestly thinking about giving this a tie. Because both matches were so fucking good that I literally was thinking a tie for first would have been the best way to do it, but I had to give one better than the other because of the weight of the match itself number two was the fatal four-way ladder match for me and it was so fucking close like really it was such a minuscule amount between the two in my head that I was just like I like I said I was willing to give a tie for first to both number two and number one but number two the fatal four-way ladder match was so insane um and I just remembered about the Forgotten Sons being a bad. Um, so let's just take a sidebar real quick. Um, the reason there was a bad for um, the Forgotten Sons is because the crowd had no reaction to them whatsoever. The I mean, they hate the Forgotten Sons. Like I don't know if it's go away heat or anything like that, but that kind of really. And this was the really the one of the deciding factors in it. Um, there was crowd reaction for Birch and Lorkin. There was crowd reaction for um, crowd reaction for Bertrand Loken. If I said it twice, it's a beast with a beast. Um, there was crowd reaction for, of course, the Street Profits, and there was crowd reaction for the Undisputed Era, but there wasn't much reaction for the Forgotten Sons, and that was kind of one of the deciding factors of why I picked this at number two versus what I picked at number one, which is which is pretty much going to be obvious now at this point. Um, That was part of it. The Forgotten Sons didn't get much reaction, and they hated the fact that when Jackson Riker came out, he got booed out of the fucking building. I still am on the fence, whether it's um go-away heat or is it solid heel heat. I'm still on the fence about it, and I'm kind of leaning towards go-away heat, but that depends on how you look at it. I like the Forgotten Sons. Don't get me wrong. I do like them as a tag team. I wish they were more prominent in the tag team division, but I can understand why there's a lot of hate towards the Forgotten Sons. The we forgot, we you know, we forget you, we forgot you, all this stuff. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if it's going away heat or not, but that was probably, that was literally one of the big deciding factors. Um, if you hate them, they would have gotten more booze but there really wasn't much reaction for Cutler and um, Blake at all. There was a lot of reaction for Riker, I'll tell you that much, and that does mean a lot for me, but in terms of what's number two and what's number one, that was a big... Factor for me, and number one should be blatantly obvious at this point. But Gargano Cole two takes the crown for me personally in this uh, episode of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, This was just a standout match, the not just the longest match of the night, but this is the biggest match of the night for everything. Um, I said earlier that looking back at it, their first match was still better than this match was because of the simple fact that it had more weight to it um the conclusion for johnny to become nxt champion at takeover new york really made more sense um the story that was told was huge um this time around it was the story was really good though they told a great story um even with the okie doke for uh, him trying to call it the undisputed era that was fucking awesome just the match just the match itself the crowd was so hyped for this they were wanting a Adam They were wanting a title change in the worst way possible. They wanted the title change. Adam Cole finally wins the championship. The crowd went absolutely ballistic. Um, just you know, the match alone, 31 minutes of just pure back and forth. I loved this match from beginning to end. It had so much replay value. Big time. It it was really crazy. Um To see finally Adam Cole, one of my favorite guys on NXT, finally become NXT champion after so long of just being there at the right place at the wrong time. The timing was always wrong for Adam Cole. And I could not be more happy for this match. I could not be more happy for Adam Cole becoming NXT champion. I could not be more happy of this match um, for these two. And they definitely deserve top billing. They definitely deserve a top spot. As the uh or, or as they should as the main event. They definitely absolutely fucking killed it. I could not be more proud of this match. So Gargano Cold 2 is one. The Fatal Four Way Tag Team Ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championships is two. And then number three will be Riddle and Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Which then goes to my worst match of the night. Um now with NXT Takeovers. Worst match of the night really, I don't consider worst match of the night for NXT takeovers to be the worst match of the night. It's just unfortunately by default. You know, there's gotta be there's gonna be a best match of the night, and there's gotta be a worst. And that's so and that unfortunately, I have to hand to Baszler and Sherrod. You can make the case for Dream Breeze because they were in the proverbial death spot but what they did to get the crowd back into it definitely helped their cause to not be worst match of the night. It was good. Don't get me wrong, but having that moment of Shirai cheering on the instead of focusing more on biz there's a little bit, it was the deciding factor between the two. Um, it was good, but I have to give one that was the worst. Um, and I've said this plenty of times with takeovers and even NXT UK takeovers. I even said the same thing. Um, it's only worst match of the night by default. That's not to say I don't think the match was good by any means. It's just that in terms of one through five, um, Baszler and Shirai was probably at the bottom of the card. That's in a uh, in semi-main event. Um, I can understand why they put in a semi-main event, but Dream Breeze got, getting that crowd back into it definitely helped their cause to not be worst match of the night. It's not to say, like I said, it's not to say the match wasn't good. It's just that in terms of what I thought was better, Dream Breeze was definitely better than baszler Shirai. That's pretty much all i got to say about it with that. So, unfortunately, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai was by default, even though I like the match itself, worst match of the night. Which comes down to the letter grade for NXT TakeOver 25. I had been mulling about this literally... All ever the, by the end of Takeover to now, what letter grade? I'm, it's a high letter grade. Don't get me wrong, a high letter grade. Factoring in everything I had talked about for this, at first glance, I gave this show by the end of it at a B B+. I had given the show a B plus. And then I thought about it. And then I really thought about it, about everything that happened that night, you know. And when I what I settled down to is that I'm gonna give NXT TakeOver 25 in A-Yes, I'm gonna give the show an A-. Um Every match was good, was damn good. You know, Riddle Strong started off hot. The Fatal it was fantastic. Dream Breeze, even though it was in a proverbial dead spot, grabbed the crowd back into it. It was a big deal for any match that is in a dead spot. That Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze were able to actually get the crowd back into it going into the second half of the match shows a lot about those two as it's, as, as, you know, talents. Um, Shirai Baszler was good, um, and Gargano Cole took it home properly with Cole becoming the new NXT champion. I think A minus is a is a proper grade to give this event, and I was literally teetering on A minus B plus territory. I was literally in that territory for most of the day yesterday. And then when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about the letter grade, and I was thinking B-, minus. but I think an A-, minus for NXT TakeOver, like I said, is a proper grade to give NXT TakeOver 25. Um, of course, Shirai being distracted by the LeRae attack, Josiah Williams, um, that whole deal, all of that, um, not having NXT alums, getting that. It's still an A, but it just, it was just enough of that to give it that a minus great show overall regardless a minus for takeover 25 I think is a proper grade to give this event hands down one of the best events of the year easily I throw it into my pot for uh, card of the year absolutely without question and that's that that's the good the bad and the ugly that was NXT takeover 25 So real quick, we're going to take a quick short break, and then we're going to close out with the closing segment. Be right back. Gonna be it for episode 76 of the Young Lions Perspective The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That was NXT Takeover 25. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to check out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about The Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across your entire social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Tinder, your LinkedIn, your Bumble, your Tumblr, whatever you got. Share it across the social media and let the people know that The Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcasting and that we are here to stay. If you wanted to listen to this episode again or any of the other 75 episodes of The Young Lions Perspective, including, of course, Two episodes of Outside the Ropes where I talk about anything other than pro wrestling. Of course, like the world of sports, anything that goes on, and societal issues, all that nonsense, and three episodes of The Secret Files, but you don't happen to have the Anchor app, which is the mothership of everything that it is, LP, relax, take a breath, you're fine, I promise. You can still find this episode across nine different platforms. That includes the Anchor app, and of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam search for the Young Lions Perspective across any of those platforms and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast, um, any news that I may put across on my Instagram, any tweets that I may do, of course I do live tweets for Smackdown Live because fuck Raw, it's garbage. NXT, NXT UK, now we're doing AEW and of course every WWE pay-per-view and the occasional New Japan pay per view when I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I have the day off and I know nothing else better to do. You can follow me on Twitter at Sway Senator WWI and on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast in and of itself. Guys, in terms of episode 77, I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to do uh, an episode of episode 77 tomorrow is definitely not going to be a good day i'm unfortunately going to a funeral um for a family friend of my uh especially my grandmother's so there will be no podcast tomorrow of course uh, follow me on my social media stay up to date with everything that's going on in terms of nxt there will be no nxt review this week but there more than likely will be an nxt uk review this week so like i said follow me on all my social media to stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. If you're going to be watching Monday Night Raw tonight, I will pray for you. Uh, Bless your heart if you do. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your day, and let's kick off the work week properly. Until next time, guys, for episode 77 of the Young Lions Perspective, see you!